From Letourneau University, this is Story Hunt. I'm Alex Bowen. We're continuing with the second part of our two-part biography on our founder and namesake, R.G. Letourneau. If you haven't heard part one, you're going to want to go back in the feed and listen to that now. All right, so where were we? R.G. is no stranger to loss or failure at this point. He's maybe 30 now, and the loss of his first business and death of his first child have left him searching. Producer Jake Hall takes it from here. After this time, R.G. and Evelyn become involved in a church there in town, a new church, and for the first time, R.G., puts himself to work as a ministry volunteer. So we see some of the first volunteer experience of his life as he works at a local mission there in Stockton. And we also see him venturing out into public speaking for the first time. Throughout his life, RG would say he never understood why people asked him to speak in public because he didn't feel like he was a very good public speaker. I never dreamed that I could or that I would, that I was capable of doing. And it was just the farthest from Anything I can imagine, me as a public speaker, no, no, you got the wrong fellow this time. And he talks about this during the same time here working at the mission. Um, He says he would speak to the alcoholics and people there. And he says in the book, even today, it is not unusual to have some fine man come up after one of my speaking engagements to tell me he had been put on the right track through one of my personal talks in Stockton. Of course, it wasn't my talk that had brought about the Reformation. I had merely brought to the attention of these men the power and capacity of our Lord. R.G. says we can be his instruments, but only God can work the wonders. You see this as a major turning point for R.G. as well, learning and understanding that he is an instrument of God and that he's been put on earth to serve him. After this, R.G. hits the street, and in his own words, he says, I love this, I was 30 years old, unemployed, and $5,000 in debt. And immediately, you see God's great provision for this man in his life. R.G. runs into a friend on the street who offers him a new job, working out at a ranch, leveling land. And R.G. takes it. Right as he walks away, he realizes that he doesn't even have a vehicle to get out to the ranch because he sold all of his cars and things from the garage. But before he can turn around and try to talk to the man again, another person that he knows walks up to him and offers him a deal on a brand new car. RG has no money at the time, and so he is very hesitant to take this, and it's a nicer car, and it is a good deal, but he just doesn't want to put himself further into debt. But when he goes home to talk about it with his family, his sister's there, and she offers him the money that she had raised for her mission trip to China. RG doesn't want to take it either, but she insists, believing that the Lord will provide. R.G. even mentions that he doesn't have the faith to believe that at that time, as his sister does, but he takes the money anyway, and through this job that he gets at the ranch, R.G. will find his first love for moving earth and earth-moving equipment. In the midst of all this, though, he experiences many failures, many mistakes, and in his book, he brings those to the forefront because he wants people to know that it was not him who brought success in his life, that it was all God. And he's just a human, an instrument, as he said. Also in this time, he and Evelyn had to make many sacrifices, but they were happy in the midst of it all. We'll never forget the Christmas of 1919. The main point was that we were together again in our own home, and it was quite a place. It was a portable cook shack 
mounted on iron wheels, and in its day it had seen the preparation of thousands of meals for migrant sugar beet harvesters. The cook stove was still there, and the kerosene lamps, and a couple of cots, but the walls were cracked, and the roof leaked. Every day the hogs would come to scratch themselves on the iron wheels, and then Evelyn would have to rush to catch a falling lamp chimney or save the stovepipe from collapse. When I was leveling land, the December dust would drift across the fields and through the cracks of that shack to pile up in mounds. To keep the dust off the dishes, Evelyn had to turn them face down on the table until the food was served. Water came from a distant pump. Corn cobs fueled the stove. You may not think that was very jolly, but we never felt sorry for ourselves. A couple months ago, Madeline and I sat down with RG's only living son, Ben Letourneau, and his wife. But while we were there, Ben told us this story of RG going to see his pastor and asking his pastor for help and guidance. And this moment would define the rest of RG's life. He went to his pastor and he, he more or less told him, said, what does God want me to do? He had two sisters he said, in China as missionaries. He told, told the pastor about that, and he says, does God want me to be a missionary? If it is, let's get on with it. And uh, so the pastor looked up at him, and he says, R.G., he said, God needs Christian businessmen, too. That changed his life. God needs businessmen, too. This is a quote that R.G. would use for the rest of his life. It's a quote that we hear over and over again here at Laterno University. Our faculty, our staff, they're huge proponents of this philosophy that God needs everyone, that God will use you no matter where you're at, whatever job that is, whether that's business or engineering or aviation, it doesn't matter. God wants to use you wherever you're at. And this philosophy would guide RG for the rest of his life in his business. And so from here, he goes on to create many different earth-moving machines, the gondola, the mountain mover, which were revolutionary at the time, so revolutionary at the time that he created them in the early 1920s that none of the other businessmen in the earth-moving business wanted to purchase them because they thought the ideas were too wild that it would never stick. They wanted the old-fashioned machines they had already been using. But very soon people would see how smart and full of ingenuity RG was. He eventually became his own contractor, founding Laterno Inc. Um, and he had so much success in his life, but he used all of that success for God, and he pointed to God constantly. The biggest marker of this philosophy to me is RG's decision to donate 90% of his personal income and his company income to God. He tithed 90% of his income. This man was donating nearly all of his money back to the Lord and still became a millionaire. And so you always see this tension in his life between living for himself and living for God, between following ambition and the material world or following God's spiritual ways. He constantly relinquishes control to God and learns how to do that in difficult situations through the problems, through the failures in his life. And out of that, God does impossible things through him. By the way, did you hear that one about the Sunday school teacher that asked uh, some of the boys in her class 
to draw a picture of a Bible story. <laughs> and one boy drew a picture uh, of an airplane. <laughs> and the teacher said, well, son, uh, they didn't have airplanes in the Bible days. <laughs> and the boy said, well, didn't uh, uh, Joseph and Mary take a flight into Egypt? <laughs> 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 and she said, yes, <laughs> but I see you have four in, your, in the plane. Uh, who are the four in the plane? <laughs> well, the boy said, there's uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus and Pontius the pilot. Producer Nathan O'Day got a pretty neat exclusive look at our archives here at the university. Here's Nathan. By 1946, RG's company was in a sort of golden age. World War II provided enormous contracts for Letourneau Incorporated, causing the company to grow. RG says in his autobiography that, I had no idea how useful my little friction tests would be when friction between man and man nearly destroyed the world. Who had ever heard of a scraper or bulldozer as a prime weapon of war? By the time the war ended, the company had built plants in Illinois, Georgia, New South Wales, Australia, and Longview, Texas. RG's connection to Carl Estes, publisher of the Longview News Journal, led to the now-famous flight over Longview with RG and his wife Evelyn, and Carl Estes with his wife Margaret, for whom we now have named on campus the Margaret Estes Library and Margaret Estes Davis Hall. During this flight, while Mr. Letourneau was looking for a place to build a steel mill, Evelyn saw out the window of the plane the decommissioned Harmon Army Hospital that had been used during the war. Evelyn definitely doesn't get Mm. um, as much credit as what she deserves. That's library director Shelby Ware, who I talked to in order to find out what Evelyn's role was in the founding of the school. The story goes that, um, you know, he developed this foundation to set aside 90% of his earnings and keep 10% for himself, and so really that was Evelyn, I think... um, RG started at like 50%, and she was just like, nope, keep keep on going, move it up. And so <laughs> finally he got to 90, and she's like, wow. okay. And so just that giving spirit and, you know, flying over um, this campus and saying, what is that? Um, and, of course, it was the old Army barracks from the Harmon General Hospital, and she said, um, I think we should do a school right there. As it turns out, Letourneau University, or Letourneau Technical Institute as it was at the time, was really her idea. The way R.G. puts it in his book, he had plans that he had made, but, quote, the Lord had something else in mind. He wanted a school in which to train Christian engineers and let me build my steel mill adjacent to it. So that's exactly what they did. R.G. bought the property from the U.S. government for a down payment of $1 on the condition that if the government wanted it back within 10 years, they could have it. But the 10 years passed and the school grew. Evelyn's vision of a place where GIs returning from war could work at Mr. Letourneau's plant and also get an education was realized. And she quickly gained a reputation as Mom Letourneau, a woman who loved students and wanted to help them flourish. And her personality as Mom only spread over the years. In the 60s and 70s, people would write to Mrs. Letourneau asking for advice on any number of topics about Christian living and spirituality. Shelby and I found one of those letters in the archives box labeled Mom Correspondence. Here's this letter from Elizabeth in Illinois. Let's see what we can tell. It says, Dear Mrs. Letourneau, I have just finished reading about your family and the wonderful life you have led for the Lord. I believe the Lord has led you to me 
as I have been praying earnestly for someone to help. And so she would answer to it. Yeah, she answers, thank you for your letter and your kind remarks about our family. I'm thankful for our many friends, and when letters like yours come seeking help, it impresses on me that there are so many needs. I wish I could respond to all of the many such letters, but that is not possible. Psalm 32.8 is a verse that I believe can be meaningful because it is a promise of wisdom. May God guide and bless you. We even found a really sweet video of Mrs. Letourneau speaking to young mothers about parenthood. Mrs. Letourneau test, scene 1A, take 2. Hello, I'm Mrs. Archie Letourneau. From time to time, I have young mothers come into my home with problems and questions. And I've invited a group in this afternoon, and we are going to try to solve some of our problems. So when you dig into Evelyn's personality and the reputation that she gained, you really start to see how she was the force behind the school. Just like R.G. made God his business partner, he trusted Evelyn to be a significant part of what he was doing with his company and with the school. Soon after the school was founded, he made her his vice president. It's really evident how much R.G. valued Evelyn as his right hand. Here's his dedication in the autobiography. It says, With deep love and appreciation, I dedicate this book to my beloved partner and wife, Evelyn who for over four decades has always been by my side to give me love, cooperation, and understanding when others doubted. Through the years, she has joined me in mutual devotion and prayer to our Heavenly Father and has helped me keep faith when the vision of others was limited. Truly a helpmate given by God. Archie Letourneau never retired. In 1961, the school and the company became separate entities. Letourneau Technical Institute became Letourneau College. He suffered a stroke in March of 1969 and died on June 1st. In the last years of his life, R.G. could be found at his drafting table, continuing to design machines and traveling frequently to share his story in the gospel of Christ. Story Hunt is a production of Letourneau University's School of Arts and Sciences. This episode was produced by me, Alex Bowen, with help from Madeline Lane, Jake Hall, and Nathan O'Day. Special thanks to Dr. Carl Payton, who sat in as R.G. for us on this episode and last. Carl reads from R.G.'s autobiography, Mover of Men and Mountains. There's a link in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. Thanks also to library director Shelby Ware for granting us access to the Letourneau archives where we got a lot of our source material. And thanks to Dale Hardy for being an incredible resource on R.G. And, of course, many thanks to Letourneau's Dean of Education, Arts, and Science, Dr. Larry Frazier. Please subscribe and leave us a review if you liked it. Find us on social media. Talk soon.